Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Thrawn, and you're listening to Execute Chapter 66. Hello and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight we are revisiting Timothy Zahn with the next in the original Thrawn series, Dark Force Rising. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and with me as always are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Schonk. Over to you, Chad. Your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We are going to spoil this book. In addition, over the course of our conversation, we may spoil a great many things Star Wars. That has been your spoiler warning. Ryan, news. Well, we are still in the pre-celebration news cycle. So not a whole lot, just mostly them talking about who's going to be at Celebration and panels and that sort of thing. That's not real interesting to listen to. Um, But they have, they released the covers and I kind of wanted to talk about this for a second of the next Essentials books. So they're going to do Krydos, which is the, is that the third Rogue Squadron book? I'd have to look at my shelf, but yeah, it's second or third. I think it's the third. Uh, The Darth Maul Shadowhunter and, death troopers so for upcoming episode i had to buy old you know eu book and while these covers look really great replacing the old mass market paperbacks that are 7.99 with this new 15 (laughs) dollar fancy cover the yeah. trade paperback yeah, yeah. it, it kind of pissed me off <laughs> <laughs> i just went to amazon and bought an old used mass market paperback i was like i'm not spending 15 dollars on this book and other book news we got to see the cover for the first book in phase two the path of deceit um you know i think the the interesting is three new characters but the interesting one on there is one of them is named Mareta Rowe. they won't They've said that she is related to Martian, but not how. I would assume. Yeah, so probably like grandma or would it be grandma? 20. 150 years, grandma, great grandma. Yeah. Yeah. I love that cover art. Yeah, it looks real good. Uh, over in the video game area, Uh-oh. they announced um, there's going to be, we've kind of known they were planning a new action adventure game as they've kind of moved away. And so they announced that uh, Amy Henning, who is who made the Uncharted games, is making a Star Wars game. They're not just playing with us this time, right? Because they've done this with her before. They, I mean, these were full official announcements and this thing is like in production. Because wasn't she attached to a game before and left? Yes. And kind of one of the things that's being said is that it's possibly that game still like they're going to build off of it. Um, So I'm interested to see what else they can do outside of our EA team. Did anybody see that uncharted movie? Mm, No, I've heard it's good. Really? Yeah. I heard people that saw it was like, it's not half bad. Yeah. But I mean, are we, are we comparing it to Tomb Raider movies? Like we're comparing uncharted to Tomb Raider games. And then finally, in the Disney Plus shows section, um, 
it looks like it's leaked that there will be new Star Wars Visions, a new, if not full series, at least more shorts are going to come out, and they're going to come out this year. So that'll be awesome. And I guess, you know, they can do those pretty quickly. Um, if you've got all these independent studios having to work on it. So I hope they do more books with that too. And they didn't really say if it's going to be any continuations. They don't have to know anybody who's attached to it yet. Just that it is being done. I hope we get a couple of sequels. Yeah. Like I want new stuff too, but I hope we get a couple of sequels. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of interview things that I thought was interesting. There was a, um, interview with Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Heard of him. Yeah. Uh, apparently he will not do shows. <laughs> he said, oh, really? <laughs> no Star Wars shows. He will only do movies, which I wouldn't be surprised if this is a bunch of nonsense to try to hide that old force ghost Qui-Gon is going to pop up On at Obi-Wan. some point. Yeah. Yeah. Like whatever. Um, but the other interview that I was surprised and happy about Hayden Christensen did an interview where he talked about how he prepared to come back to be Obi-Wan. And he said to prepare, he watched rebels and clone wars. And that's what he's using to prepare for Obi-Wan. Nice. Which, you know, that's good. We'll get to see. I I was going to say acting lessons. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's has to like, at least for the Ahsoka show too, he has to understand that relationship. Uh-huh. If he's gonna, yeah. if he's gonna come onto there. So, Matt Lanter just got more time than he did uh-huh. to play the character. Matt Lanter got infinitely more time than Hayden Christensen did to play the character, and didn't get lines about uncomfortable sand. So that's all the news we got this week. What's going on in the comics? Three books, all of them Crimson Rain tie-ins. Bounty Hunters twenty-two. By Saxon Villanelli. It's got an appearance by Kira, an appearance by the Knights of Ren. Still no Valance anywhere to be seen. It's great. The most important thing, though, is that the next issue is apparently called Clear and Present Dengar. <laughs> and that makes me very happy. <laughs> uh, Star Wars 20 by Sulin Rosanis. Leia and Kira face off again. Uh, Chewie is none too happy to see his old Kessel Run buddy because right now he's pissed at anyone that had anything to do with Han ending up with Jabba. And uh, Kess and Starlight Squadron make a plan to save Shara Bay, and uh, shockingly, it starts to go wrong. And then Darth Vader 22 by Pack and I and Echo. Um, Sabe is working for Vader now, and she's not exactly thrilled about it, but it's kind of crazy, and that they make a pretty good team. They actually think a lot alike. Um, it, it's a, got a little bit of a whoa, shit, cliffhanger ending that isn't entirely surprising, but is still effective and interesting. But um, yeah, we're just, right now, it's just Crimson Rain all the time. Although I think... I think these books are doing a better job than War of the Bounty Hunters did. These books read separately just fine. They're not, it's, it doesn't feel like you're missing anything if you're not reading Crimson Rain as, as much as when you're reading these books. I've enjoyed Crimson Rain more than War of the Bounty Hunters so far, at least how it ties together and all those things. Yeah. And the, the, these issues have been uh, – you don't have to read the main book to enjoy these issues. So if you just, if you just read – say you're someone who just read Bounty Hunters – I don't know who that person could be, but if you're someone who just reads bounty hunters, it's okay. You don't have to read Crimson Rain. You probably should just to broaden your horizons a little bit. Cause you're just reading bounty hunters. Yeah. Who, who is this person? <laughs> Why are they, are they that interested in damn Valance? But right now 
it's still, and this has been this way since the beginning, since 20, whatever year, 16 or whatever. Vader's still the best book yeah. of the main books. Like Vader's been the best book when Karen Gillan did it. It was the best book when Sewell does it. And Greg Pak, who I'm not always 100% on, doing a great job. Yeah. It's, it's just consistently the best book. All right, so before we get into our main story tonight, we're talking about video game characters we'd like to see more of, and not all of them are from Fallen Order or KOTOR, but a lot of them are from both of those games. <laughs> so let, let me, I'll kick it off. And of course, I'm, I'm going to talk about Force Unleashed because I still love that game and I would be happy to see a remaster of that if it was on an Xbox console. I don't, you know, I don't see a way to make Starkiller canon, but when I was looking into some stuff tonight, I did see that at Sam Witwer at one point revealed that Dave Filoni had been talking about making Starkiller an Inquisitor, but he just couldn't figure out how to do it without throwing everything off. I, mean, I think there was Starkiller, that scene where he pulls the Star Destroyer out of the sky. Like, that's still amazing. Like, I remember playing that and being like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, I don't need my Jedi to be this powerful, but eh, it's pretty great. It, it would have been greater if the mechanics had worked, but... Hey, no. It was, it was a very frustrating fight, but it was so freaking cool. I bought the game because of that ad that showed the... Yeah. <laughs> Because a lot of the mechanics in that game were everybody great, did. <laughs> but it had a great story, it had great acting, it had good characters. I I like Murder Droid. I thought Proxy was funny. Proxy is proof that you can have a funny droid without it going Roger Roger. Yeah. You know my confession? I don't like those games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not a fan of Force Unleashed. I'm not a fan of Star Killer. But but it has nothing to do with the games. It has everything. Well, the, the, the rewrite of the rebellion the starting, yeah, obviously that so, just could could not be canon in any shape or form. Yeah, that stuff. And I, yeah, no, it, it well it shouldn't be at least, and um, and it isn't anymore. But yeah, I just never. I I remember the games being fun because of the crazy shit you got to do with the force lightning and everything. Like that stuff was a lot of fun. Um, but I didn't find the narratives especially interesting. Who's next? I'll take next before we get into Kotar, where most <laughs> of our uh, our characters will come from. Um, I liked the old Jedi Knight and Dark Forces with uh, Kalkatarn, which, you know, dared to ask the question, why pick between Luke and Han Solo when you can just make them one character? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dark Forces doesn't get enough credit. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It gave us a whole new point of view to see Star Wars through. Like, you know, Star Wars games before that, you were either, you know, you were, you were usually playing one of the heroes, like in Super Star Wars, or you were just kind of generic. Uh, no, no characters. Uh, Kyle was one of the first new characters I remember. You know, being being brought whole cloth. You know, being being created whole cloth in telling his own story and his story that lasted several games 
And he not only that, he bled over into the mainstream expanded universe and became part of Luke's New Jedi Order um, in the novels and everything. But Dark Forces, like, man, that game, I don't think people remember. Everyone talks to KOTOR, they talk about TIE Fighter, they talk about, you know, Fallen Order now. And those are all great games. Dark Forces was a great game, too. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets forgotten because it's, you know, it gets remembered as just kind of a Doom clone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where we first saw Dark Troopers. I believe was in Dark Forces and the POV nature of the game was just very different from anything Star Wars we'd ever seen and um, I don't know I just think it's an underrated game I'm sure it plays like ass now it does I pulled it up not long ago and I was like oh no this is not good I'm sure it's rough but um, but it was a lot of fun then I I remember him more from the um, Jedi Knight series well, that was uh-huh. that was actually started as an expansion of Dark Forces Two, right? Yeah, it's the same series. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I didn't know it was yeah. all the same series. It's Dark Forces, Dark Forces Two, then Jedi Knight. Yeah, they got different names. I didn't realize they were all different, or they were all part of the same. And then Jedi Outcast had a different lead, didn't it? Like the fourth one. Because uh, there was Jedi Knight, and then there was like Jedi Outcast. Jedi Academy had Jedi Academy. Yeah, yeah that Academy was the one that you was. couldn't play as Kyle Katarn, and I was like, "What is this shit?" <laughs> yeah, you play as like the uh, you play as the Jedi Outcast. And I definitely do remember in that game, like we talk about with the names, <laughs> like I would run up on people like, "Hi, I'm Kyle." <laughs> and <then I> like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It does go on the list of normal guy names in Star Wars. <laughs> With Kevin and company. Mm-hmm. Mine's not strictly from KOTOR. My first one's from KOTOR 2. Um, and that is Kriya. Uh, yeah. She's, uh, yeah. she's, she's kind of the archetypical gray Jedi who believes the force is a blight and must be eradicated. <laughs> um, that's the, she's pretty hardcore. Like that's her theory. And, and it ends up kind of making her a villain um, as you go on, but not a Sith. She's not a Sith. She's not necessarily evil. She just thinks she she's like Luke and last Jedi times a million. Like she just thinks she doesn't think the Jedi need to end. She thinks the force needs to uh-huh. end. She's just so nihilistic. And, and uh, I don't know. I, I've always, I always loved the, her character. The writing on her was good too, because she'd be like, Oh, she's not wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> nope. You got a point there. I feel like she's a little darker than gray, though. If if the Jedi are, you know, the Force is a blight that should be eliminated. That's that's. Not but both the dark and the light, though. She wants to eliminate the dark and the light. Oh, I she know wants she to wants to get rid, rid of, of all, all of the Force, but yeah, that still so feels darker than gray. It's a dark gray. It's a very dark gray. It's a very dark gray. Yeah. She is. She is. But she never goes. She's never like just full on evil, though. She's she she has a, she has a unique point of view and. In, in, in all of Star Wars, I think. I don't think we've ever seen a character kind of talks like her. She's a nihilist. It must be exhausting. <laughs> Let me bust out my list of Darths. We got Revan. We got Malak. We got Nihilus, Scion, and Malgus. And that's just off the top of my head. I We got enough Darths <laughs> to start a Sith war. And they're all cool and interesting. I think we've talked before about how cool Nihilus looks. But it's yeah, not just Mal- that he looks cool. They're all cool. You're right. There are a lot of darks because Malgus is from the Old Republic, right? Yeah. The MMO. Yeah. I like Malgus, though, because, yeah, he's a Sith, but he's like, eh, all right, Empire. Taking things a little far. Like, <laughs> like he's kind of progressive. Yeah. Aliens <laughs> are great. You know, we can make a better Sith. 
Yeah, he is. He's kind of he's kind of left wing for a Sith Lord. Yeah. <laughs> he's a he's a candidate for change. <laughs> um, yeah, there are a lot of uh, great new Sith. Um, you know, Revan was a character that. Um, you know, we're we're gonna talk about Revan in, in a lot more detail later when we get to his book. But um, uh, obviously, those characters are, are ones that stand out from the games. And and Malak is another one. Isn't his his real like not Sith name like Alex or something? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I would totally go by Darth Alex. <laughs> well, I think talking about video game characters, you know, we have to mention the man. <laughs> Old Dash Rendar. <laughs> did we? Did we have to? <laughs> we didn't have to until you mentioned him in the pre-show, and now we have to. <laughs> oh, I was going to mention him anyway. Don't worry. <laughs> He's Dash Rendar. He's awesome. He's He's like Han Solo, but I don't have any. I don't. I don't have any way to finish that sentence. He's just like Han Solo. <laughs> He's like Han Solo with a shoulder pad. <laughs> uh, in a. Uh, a arguably cooler ship. Yeah, yeah. The old Outrider is pretty cool. Like, I I think he's going to be one. I'm waiting. You know, we had talked before that, you know, he was, he, they mentioned him in Aftermath, so we know he's around somewhere. But I am guessing at some point somebody is going to bring him back and he's going to be awesome. Here's why I disagree. They never did it in the expanded universe. All those years between Shadows of the Empire in 1996, all the way up to 2015, nobody brought Dash back. Nobody was ready that, yet. That's how little they cared about him. I'm not ready now. That's how little of an impression he made on the storytellers is that they never brought him back in almost 20 years of storytelling. They never brought him back. They're wrong. <laughs> He's an excellent swoop bike flyer. He's got all the skills. Except being interesting. Well, you know. You know. <laughs> now, before before BT and Triple Zero, mm-hmm. before Mr. Bones, after IG-88, but before IG-11, there was HK-47 from Knights of the Old Republic. The OG murder bot meat who bags. referred to living beings as meatbags. <laughs> <laughs> he le- not only was he a great hysterical character, but he led the way for generations of sardonic and sadistic droids that are as funny as they are terrifying. Mm-hmm. That's all I got to say about him. He, he, he laid out a template. He's the best character in those games, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Revan. I mean, I mean awesome. Revan's pretty great. Like, Revan's pretty epic, but. You know, yeah. Revan aside, yeah. And we've seen, well, we haven't seen him, but we've seen HK droids again. So that's nice they're still around. Well, he's kind of a, a predecessor to K2SO, which is also yeah, exactly. another fantastic droid. Anybody else that pops out? I wrote down Juno Eclipse. She's good, but she's got a why. pretty typical, um, I mean, she's okay, but it's pretty yeah. typical I, I'm bad, but oh, I've seen the good side. I'm going to join the rebels. Yeah, yeah. And then dies. I'm really interested to see where Kyle Kestis' story goes. Like, I'm looking forward to Fallen Order 2. Um, I think they did a good Keep job looking. with his character and him. <laughs> it's going to be a while. It, well, we'll see. We're getting the trailer in, what, a month? Um, and supposedly they're pretty far in development on it. Okay. Yeah, um, Kyle, Kyle's a good character. Yeah, Eden Verso, she's another really good one from the new games. I really like Marin in Falling Order. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. The 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 night sister that kind of turns out to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. She's kind of a great tragic character. Mm-hmm. I know we've seen a little bit of Inquisitor backstory here and there, um, kind of in the Ahsoka novel and and just a few episodes here and there in Rebels. But the second sister really made me want more Inquisitor backstory. Well, you're in luck. May twenty seventh. Yeah. I mean, I know we have Burry now, but Zalbar, mm-hmm. the Wookiee Jedi from Kotor, great stuff. But still, a Shan is a great character. That was also on my list. From Kotor one. Voiced by Jennifer Hale, who did the femship voice in Mass Effect. I played as a man because I'm a man. Well, <laughs> I didn't want no pink lightsaber. <laughs> I meant Mass Effect, but either oh. way. <laughs> Look, I have to play both because I was trying to have sex with one of every species. <laughs> and there are certain species that don't swing both ways. So, Are there some that don't swing both ways? I guess yeah, it's are. disappointing. You only get so many choices if, for which gender you play as. If that game was set in the High Republic. Yeah. Everybody would be swinging. Everybody be going everywhere. Directly ahead, the star was a marble-sized yellow-orange ball. Its intensity moderated by its distance and by the viewport's automatic sunscreens. Surrounding it and the ship itself were the stars. A spattering of blazing white pinpricks in the deep blackness of space. Directly beneath the ship, in the western part of the great northern forest of the planet Merkur, dawn was approaching. The last dawn that some in that forest would ever see. Standing at one of the side bridge viewports of the Imperial Star Destroyer Chimera, Captain Pellion watched as the fuzzy Terminator line crept toward the target zone on the planet below. Ten minutes ago, the ground forces surrounding the target had reported themselves ready. The Chimera itself had been holding blockade position for nearly an hour. All that was missing now was the order to attack. Slowly, feeling almost furtive about it, Pelion turned his head a couple of centimeters to the side. Behind him and to his right, Grand Admiral Thrawn was seated at his command station, his blue-skinned face expressionless, his glowing red eyes focused on the bank of status readouts wrapped around his chair. He hadn't spoken or moved from that position since the last of the ground forces had reported in, and Pelion could tell the bridge crew was beginning to get restless. For his own part, Pelion had long since stopped trying to second-guess Thrawn's actions. The fact that the late Emperor had seen fit to make Thrawn one of his twelve Grand Admirals was evidence of his own confidence in the man. All the more so given Thrawn's not entirely human heritage and the Emperor's well-known prejudices in such matters. Dark Force Rising by Timothy Zahn picks up pretty much right after the end of Heir to the Empire. Actually, it's about two weeks. After the attack and defeat on Sluis Van, Thrawn has decided to pay Talon Card a visit to talk to him about his treachery, but Card and Mara Jade have already abandoned their base on Mirkir, which of course Thrawn already knew that was going to happen because, you know, Thrawn. The New Republic has a mole, it turns out, known as Delta Source, <laughs> that is believed to be spying for Thrawn. Actually, it is spying for Thrawn. Bothan Senator Borsk Felia has accused Admiral Gian Akbar of being the traitor and has relieved him of his command and charged him with treason. Man, I hate that furry little bitch. Much like the Empire Strikes Back, Dark Force Rising makes the classic Dungeons and Dragons mistake of splitting up the party as we follow our separate heroes on their own adventures. 
this will not be the only similarity to The Empire Strikes Back. Han, Luke, and Lando set out to try to find evidence of Akbar's innocence on the planet of New Cove. They come to believe that one of Senator Felia's advisors may be Delta Source itself. But before they can find any real evidence, Thrawn's forces arrive on the planet. They manage to escape, with Han and Lando being saved by a mysterious third party. It leads them to an unknown location where they meet the legendary Senator-slash-General Garm Bel Iblis, one of the initial members of the Rebel Alliance. Han is totally starstruck because he's like the most famous Kirillian to ever live. Bel Iblis declines to join the Re- New Republic, however, unless he's invited by Mon Mothma herself because, hey, it feels nice to be wanted sometimes, you know? After Luke leaves New Cove, he travels to Jomark and meets with the Dark Jedi Joris Saboeth and agrees to be taught by him, showing that Luke's skills of detecting the dark side, not quite there yet. It doesn't take Luke long to realize, though, that his master is a minor despot and flat-out certifiable. He's already halfway out the door when Mara Jade shows up asking for Luke's help. Talon Card has been captured by the Empire and she figures Luke owes him one for the last book and Luke agrees to bounce on the obviously baddie Jedi Master. Joris doesn't like this and there's a brief struggle with Force Lightning and R2 like flies in the X-Wing and shoots Saboeth and it's whatever. But Mara and Luke escape. Mara, keep in mind, still wants to kill Luke, but for now she needs his help. She'll get back to the killing later. Luke and Mara sneak onto the Chimera to rescue Card. They get on real easy. This time going from the trash compactor up into the detention block. They spring Card, but Thrawn figures out what's going on. Because again, Thrawn. And the three of them have to fight their way out of the ship. They end up finding the Falcon, which was impounded earlier, in the Star Destroyer's deep storage cargo hold. And they make their way through to hyperspace, disappointing a characteristically stoic Thrawn. While all this is going on, Leia and Chewbacca keep the promise that she made to the Nogri known as Karbarak back on Kashyyyk and arrives on a devasta- his hev- devastated home planet of Honegar. Lady Vader and the walking carpet hide out there. They almost get the poor Nogri killed and bring Thrawn's wrath down on the entire Nogri people, but she manages to get all of them on her side by exposing the fact that it was the Empire that devastated the planet 44 years ago during the Clone Wars. Whoops. But Tim didn't know. You can't blame Tim. And that has been poisoning and the the Empire has been poisoning their crops and keeping their land devastated in order to enslave them. And the whole story is peppered with mentions of the Katana fleet or the Dark Force, a battle group of 200 pre-Clone Wars dreadnought cruisers that disappeared decades ago. It would be a very powerful addition to, to the Navy of either side. The shorthand of it is the New Republic wants the ships, Thrawn wants the ships, Talon Card knows where the ships are, and one other guy also knows where the ships are. But Talon, indebted to Luke now, agrees to lead the Alliance to the Katana fleet, hopefully getting there ahead of the Empire, who have located the other guy that knows where it is. Luke and Han head out early against orders to check out on the fleet, and when they get there, there are only like a dozen ships left. The Empire got there first. Apparently, the other guy that knew rolled over real quick. But then a Star Destroyer shows up, and then some New Republic ships show up, and Wedge and Rogue Squadron are in in there somewhere. Mara Jade shows up in a Z-95 Headhunter. I think that's the first time we ever saw one of those. And Garm Bell Iblis, the Saw Guerrera of the Expanded Universe, arrives in his own dreadnoughts like the Mother Criffin Posse. Oh, and Borsk Felia is there, being the Weasley little Bothan that he is, and completely okay with leaving Luke and Han to die if it means saving his furry ass. But in a scene not, not reminiscent of a scene in Batman Returns, Borsk's true colors are revealed to the crew and they mutiny and join the battle instead of running away. That guy is going to be Chancellor one day, folks. He's going to be Chancellor. 
Anyway, after Han uses the Katana's slave circus to slam one of the remaining dreadnoughts into a Star Destroyer, the Empire retreats, but they have won the day. The Katana fleet is now theirs. And to add more salt into this downer of an ending, Han finds out that Thrawn is making clones and will be able to operate his new fleet in a matter of months by growing their crews instead of recruiting them. Man, this is certainly is a middle chapter, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of setup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, it's good. It's just a lot of setup. Weren't we sad that the first book was a lot of setup? I haven't reread the third book yet, but man, there's going to be some big payoff. There's got to be. The first one felt more complete than this. Yeah. I don't know. The first one felt like it had. I mean, there were there were plenty of dangling threads at the end of the first one. Don't get me wrong, because he knew he was writing three. But this one just feels like a middle chapter. So the first thing I wanted to point out in this book that bothered me, and I did enjoy it. Everybody knows too much about everything, as opposed to what I do like in the in, in like Palpatine is real in this timeline. Palpatine is real bad at covering up his tracks. Every single person knows about like at one point Luke's like, oh yeah, this dark Jedi and and or this this Jedi Master and Winter's like, you mean Saboth? And Luke's like, you've ever heard of him? Winter's like, no, I saw a whole of him one time. <laughs> and it's just like everybody, like the Jedi are very, are very well known. The, the hist- everybody, every single person knows about the Jedi. It just, it doesn't feel like the same world that we entered into in the original movies where they've been forgotten. Yeah, I think that's, that's a Lucas thing. I think they've always struggled with like yeah. figuring out how to unwrite. Nobody History. knows who the Jedi are and. You know, I will say the it was a comic recently has done a better job at kind of explaining how and why that happened. Um, but back then, I think they just kind of glossed over it. He seems to be operating under the impression, like we were for a long time, that the Empire lasted a lot longer than it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's talking in terms of decades and decades that the Empire has been around. That doesn't necessarily work out math-wise for when the Clone Wars were as far as the age of Obi-Wan and stuff. I'm not sure all that works out. Right. I enjoyed this book, but I actually was a little um, frustrated by the Nogri sections. Yeah. They kind of brought the whole thing to a halt. Yeah, that's. I was going to say the pacing feels off in this one, and I think that's why. Those sections never really... I mean, I, I guess they do go somewhere. What we do know about the third book is her turning the Nogri against the Empire is a big deal. Uh-huh. It's still like there was a lot of just them hiding. And that's not very exciting. There's a lot of them hiding from Thrawn. Thrawn knows they're there. Thrawn doesn't know they're there. There's a lot of time. Thrawn is actually wrong quite a few times in this book. Yeah, I've noticed that with all three of these is Thrawn is not this infallible character no. like he is currently. And the Nogri part, like, I mean, it does have good payoff when you get to Last Command. And overall, I like the story of the Nogri and kind of what happens with them. It just goes on too long during this one. Yeah, there's just too much of it. And not enough happens. And I can never figure out, like, okay, so they can fly starships, which we know. Yes. They have technology. None of them figured this out, that the planet was, like, being poisoned. (laughs) Come on, guys. Like, you're supposed to be these, like, awesome farmer dudes. and It's what plants crave. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I could think of it when, when Leia got to the end. She's like, look, they're poisoning your seeds. I was like, yeah, that's because they're using Brondo on your crops. <laughs> uh, yeah. That would be such a good scene. When the, what are they, the martyr? I can't remember what they call them. The yeah, magus, the matriarch. The magus, yeah. Are you going to help us, Thrawn? It's got electrolytes. 
he's a lot meaner in this also than he is in the new books. Oh yeah. No, he's a bad guy and his eyes go to slits an awful lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a legit bad guy. Yeah. See, I don't know. There were parts though where I felt like Paleon kind of was like an Eli Vanto type character because he does kind of bring Paleon on a little bit and, and, you know, starts to give him little, not quizzes, but, you know, little tests, the kind of thing that he does with Eli Vanto or with Linda or Mark or any of the other characters that he's helping along in the new books. I felt like this was a little closer to the Thrawn that I had been remembering, even though this book in particular I hadn't read since it came out. And maybe it was just the brutality of the one guy he killed in the first book that threw him off so completely for me. Well, on this, he like has that moment where he goes to the village and he's like, I, you know, I need you to know my wrath. And he like blows up the mountains behind them or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he did show he, he, he has more propensity towards violence in, in this. And he does seem to get not angry, but you're right. He's, he's, he's a, uh, he's a bad guy. <laughs> He, he now whether or not that's just the the Thrawn, the new Thrawn having been corrupted by working for the Empire for decades, who knows? But still, like he's you know he's a real bad guy. These books always throw me off to the way that, and we've seen this in the new ones too. But the way the New Republic treats Leia and Luke and them, like yeah, like heroes. <laughs> Like, hey, guys, we're the ones that, you know, beat the Empire. <laughs> like, yeah, y'all helped, but we're kind of like the ones who did it. And they're constantly being, like, thrown to the side or not listened to or any of that. It's – and I think that, you know, it's, story-wise it makes sense, right? Like, you wouldn't have much conflict or anything if they were just able to get what they wanted. But it always throws me off when Mon Mothma or one of them dismisses somebody so fast. Um, but it's a much colder Mon Mothma. Like she's, you know, her, all her stuff with uh, General Eben and all that. Like she's not a very pleasant person. Zahn's going off one scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't really have much to go on. <laughs> He's going mm-hmm. off one scene, you know. Like, yes, I, I see what you're saying about Lucan and Leia, but at the same time, the book still treats them like the heroes that they are. Yeah. You know, so there's still that. I mean, would you, how about this? Would you go so far as to say the New Republic sucks? It's pretty close. <laughs> They're a little better than the new New Republic, but it's it's pretty close. They don't have X-Wing cops. Yeah, like if no one's figured out that Freylo's not up on the level, like, yeah, the dude is definitely a problem. And he even shows you he's a problem. His little hair moves and you should be able to look at it and be like, nope, I don't think so. <laughs> he is awful. And he's going to continue to be awful through many, many books. Yeah, for the next 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be around a while. I think he eventually does die yeah, during yeah. the Vong invasion, I think. Yeah, I think that is when he dies. I've always liked him as a character, but this hurt feeling, sad feelings go a little far sometimes. Um, and you see it more, you know, when you get the last command too. But when he's like, I can't go, Mon Mothma has to like say please. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bella Iblis. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. As we were talking about the video game here, yeah, Bella Iblis. Yeah. No, he's definitely he, he's not he's not a hundred percent saw, but he's the closest we have. But this is the first time we start to get like 
some story about the early parts of the rebellion. Yeah, about its founding. That it was the three of them, and then how he kind of leaves. And I don't think we get a whole ton more about it. Not much. No. It's not something... They they didn't... One thing we never really saw in the Expanded Universe was what we're getting with, like, Rogue One and Andor. Mm-hmm. That early rebellion stuff. We didn't really get to see that. Or or what we got on Rebels. Um, th- that stuff never really popped up. They were always... Not always, but they were so concerned with moving into the future. Mm-hmm. It seems like the new stuff is more concerned with filling in gaps. Yeah. Which has its pluses and minuses, I guess. Because it does. at the end of the day, it doesn't move the story of Star Wars further when you do it. You know, right. Like the bigger story doesn't move. Well, I'm like you- in the comics right now. It's it's too much. Like they're filling in too many gaps, I think. It's, yeah. it's too busy. So the Katana fleet. Yes. <laughs> that yes. everybody knows about. Yeah. Oh, you mean the Katana fleet? Yeah, oh, you mean, yeah. You mean, the, you mean the Dark Force? Oh, I totally heard about that and know where it is. Yeah, nobody has gone and gotten this thing yet. Like, Well, only two people know where it is. How is that even possible? Surely someone else would It's have. a big galaxy. It is a big galaxy. It's impossible that Talon Card even found it. <laughs> and that was just, he just found it on luck. It's a big galaxy. The mm-hmm. thing, all these 200 ships were, were linked together. They went to hyperspace. No one knows where they went, and Talon Card stumbled on them one day. Now, he waited 15 years to tell anybody. Right. That's hey, my thing. Hey, Mara Jade, uh, I, I know where these giant um, ships are. You know, just just saying. This reminded me, I remember thinking about this a while ago with the Katana Fleet, because there were people on You it mean the Dark Force? When it jumped. And I yeah. would love for there to be like an event horizon Star Wars story. <laughs> of like, oh, God. <laughs> where did the Katana Fleet go? To hell. <laughs> like... <laughs> Isn't that a little bit what outbound flight is? I, it's pretty close. You're right. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot more of them. If each ship had 16,000 person crews. No, they didn't because they were slave circuited. So oh, they had okay. Well, but, but, but they still had thousands of, they had thousands. of people. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a lot of people clawing their own eyes out. That is horrifying. <laughs> Some dark images there. But they're just stranded in the middle of nowhere. Like, I mean, cannibalism sets in what about month three? Oh, Man, uh, they're they're empire. They're probably pretty vicious. They're gonna get hungry and. Uh, they're not empire. These are yeah. these are old republic people. Yeah, those are soft ass old republic people. <laughs> the Katana fleet is such a Zon like creation uh-huh. for me. I don't, I don't know. It just seems very Zonish. But even but land. I mean, Lando even knows what the upholstery really, uh, what the upholstery colors were. Oh yeah, He's like, <laughs> that was one of the dumbest moments of the book. It's navy blue. I know what this is. Only <laughs> one ship had navy blue seats. <laughs> <laughs> You're like what? Uh, that can't even be possible. <laughs> oh, you mean the Katana fleet? All of a sudden, he's James Cameron looking at like the dinnerware on the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> so Mara finds out she's not the only hand. Poor Mara. Do we ever end up meeting the others? We don't, do we? I don't know if we I ever did. So. That's where I think you could bring Mara in and like, you're right, bring her in through the Inquisitoris, you know? Mm-hmm. I think After she's this. coming. Yeah. I think a lot of this stuff is coming. I think it's going to be different, but I won't be surprised to see Mara and the Katana fleet. Because that's like a story you could do real easy, right? Like, yeah. have Thrawn find the Katana fleet and be like, I'm bringing this stuff back. You just don't involve Luke and Leia and Han. Yeah. Yeah. You just leave them out. 
No, that could that it could definitely be a story. Uh, you know, we t- uh, we'll talk about it more once we get to the end of Last Command. But because the one thing that I think was really different in these books, but it's much more prevalent in Last Command, is the depiction of clones. Mm-hmm. Luke. Um, well, not even them. Like the clone clone madness. The, cl- <laughs> the clone crew members. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That are that are that are a lot like the clones we get in the prequels, except for they're grown in like a matter of weeks. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, years. I did think at the end of this book, you know, when the soldier falls and the helmet comes off and they see it's a clone or whatever. Like, that would be such a good image on a show. To have, like, some trooper's helmet come off and all of a sudden it's Morrison again. Yeah. God, that would be... I would lose my mind. <laughs> well, it, or or just anybody that matches. Like, there could be a storyline where, yeah, where he has Maltantis. So there could be a storyline where he tries to bring back the clones. Yeah, I fully believe that's, I think, what they're going towards. And again, we'll talk about this more last command. But I think they're putting all the little pieces in place to do some version of this. Just without without the big three, probably. Well, yeah. maybe maybe with appearances by Luke. No, yeah. that he, that I mean, they've done that. I don't know if you'll get Joris. Like, I don't know if that part is necessary you need or whatever. But I think the katana and the clones and Tannis and all that stuff will happen. I mentioned this forever ago when the Disney thing happened, and it's now I don't know if the rumors about someone them casting a live action Luke Skywalker are true or not, as opposed to the deep fake Luke. But, you know, there was all the Sebastian Stan rumors there for at least a minute, right? Uh, We've got a new Han Solo. Uh-huh. All they need is to cast a Leia, <laughs> right? And they could do it. They could, they could tell more stories with those characters in live action. They could. And, I mean, they're two-thirds of the way there, really. You know? So. So, I know we talked about this on the first one, like how good he writes Han and Luke. I do yeah. not like Luke as much in this one. <laughs> like... When, you know, he's having to go be Jedi Judge Judy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, come on, buddy. <laughs> you can see this is wrong. <laughs> like, it's weird because, like, he comes across as gullible, but he's not, like, super gullible. Like, he, he the whole time he knows this is wrong, but yeah. he goes along with it anyway. And he's like, well, this guy's a Jedi Master. He must know what he's talking about, even though this is real shady. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, I guess people don't know a lot about the Jedi. So maybe he's like... I guess this is what Jedi did. Um, <laughs> Maybe he's like, man, they were really assholes. Yeah. Like, in a different way, you're correct. But he gets hypnotized by Master Joris's bare chest and his medallion. And it's like, well, I mean, it's pretty mesmerizing. I just think uh, he, he does walk into what is obviously like kind of a trap very openly. And Joris is even yeah. like, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know. Uh, bring your sister and her kids too. And he's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll wait on that. There's even a line where he says like, I'm just looking for some pointers. When any creepy old man who has an open shirt says, Hey, bring those kids too. It's not <laughs> a good sign. I mean, R2 shoots that dude with an X wing. R2 flat out just shoots him with the X wing and he, and he gets, ends up getting up. Luke knows the catching force lightning on your lightsaber trick. Yeah. Yoda taught him that. Yoda has taught nobody else in the mm-hmm. history of the Republic. There, there's a few things in there where he's like, and Master Yoda also taught me this. I'm like, well, all right. Off screen. <laughs> and hyperspace is also what I liked is hyperspace was back to the way I remember it, which is it took days. Yes. Thank yeah. you. They're like, oh, it's like a two day trip. And I was like, oh, yeah. Instead of, again, the movies never really did that either. But 
I will say one thing that Zahn really does. This was a this was a, an issue, not an issue, but it was a feature of the first book and is a feature again of this book. Is the world is so very very small, right? And there are so many coincidences, you know. Yeah, you always happen to show up where somebody else is. Yep, you show up where somebody else is. They they impound the Falcon, and Luke and and Talon Card happen to stumble upon it when it wasn't there like 20 minutes ago, uh-huh. you know, and, 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 you know, you can always, Oh, the force is guiding him. What, whatever. But it, it just, it just felt like, Oh, he's there on the ship with the Falcon and they're going to get away in the Falcon. Great. You know, how convenient for us. You know, what makes me crazy about the Falcon in this one, because it happens pretty close to each other. So Leia leaves the Falcon at indoor, um, you know, just in orbit, just hanging out. Yeah. Why not? You know, after she hears, you must kill Luke Skywalker, which you read a lot. But then when Card and them find it on the um, Star Destroyer, he specifically says, oh, like, do we have the codes for it? Is it going to be, you know, hard to get? And Luke's like, nah. He doesn't really lock well, it also, up. I'm like, yeah. wait a second. Did Leia just, like, leave it hanging also, out? <laughs> like, which her explains the Force Awakens. not going to be awakened. too thrilled. Yeah. Um, you just left his vintage Camaro just parked in some neighborhood and just took off and just left it. I, I, I did. I did find that very strange. Did he, it reminds me of how, what, what, which book was it where Thrawn leaves Sherry, the yes. Skywalker in a shuttle alone while he goes on an adventure uh-huh. with Anakin. It was an Alliance. Right. And, and we found out later that Sherry was actually yes. sitting in that ship the whole time. Yeah. I mean, to be fair back then I got left in the car while my parents were going in the store. Like, it was the 80s and the 90s, man. It's just how it was. Tom loves that shit more than he loves her. She's left it. Uh, I don't my, fa- my first memory of going to the movies was going to see The Great Muppet Caper. Uh-huh. And my dad would like left like three times during the movie to go to the bathroom, whatever. And I'm, I'm like five. And like, and he just would leave to go to the bathroom, leave to get popcorn and stuff. And I'm, and I, I remember it clearly because he missed Miss Piggy driving her motorcycle through the window, and I never forgave him for it. Because <laughs> like, Dad, you missed the best part of the movie. But like now, I look at my like my like four year old daughter. I'm like, there's no way in hell I'd leave her alone in a movie theater. <laughs> no way. They didn't care back then. <laughs> uh, you know. And poor Wicked. Here's some, here's, here's some cheese whiz. Feed yourself. Poor Wicket didn't even get a hello. <laughs> like, yeah, they go to Endor. They don't stop by and see the Ewoks. Yeah, like yeah, go park the damn ship on the ground. Like, watch that thing. Yeah, yeah don't just leave in orbit with where all the asteroids are too. Yeah, yeah parts of the Death Star just <laughs> floating out there. Like the the place is a wreck, and yeah, and that that was a little little strange. It was just a weird part to go to Endor for no apparent reason other than, hey, it's Endor. And so she could hear, kill Luke Skywalker. Yeah, so they could hear, so she could, uh, so Leia could pass through the place where the Emperor died. Yeah. Quote, unquote, died. Because um, this this does uh, end up feeding into Dark Empire. Yep. The comic uh, where the Emperor comes back. Now, I can't remember, though, when they cloned the Emperor. No, we don't have Sheev yet. So would he be Sheev? <laughs> oh, my God. So many E's. Oh, it makes him sound so much creepier. If you draw out the E. Yep, Sheev. I am now. I am now going to think of every clone of Palpatine, including himself at the end of Rise of Skywalker, yeah. as Sheev. That technically would be Sheev. 
Oh Jeez. yeah, you can put an apostrophe in it. Yes. <laughs> There's some stuff to poke fun of in these books, as we discussed last time. Like you have to remember he's working from nothing, you know. So like he's 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 just as far as what he is as far as him writing it, all of this is just real. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, right? Like all he's cre- he's just creating it all. So there's nothing for him to reference. There's no nothing, you know, some of it doesn't hold up now or seems silly now, mm-hmm. but at the time. Well, and I appreciate he takes the time to Thrawn has to build the empire. Like there is no Palpatine has somehow returned and has ships on Exegel somehow. Like or the, the or the first order has taken in one week has taken over a thousand systems or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, this is far less lazy writing than several movies I could name. Yeah, you really get to see how he's like building stuff and he's creating ideas of of things that could happen that would be far more interesting to watch than some movies we could talk about. I do like in this book too, you start getting more crazy Joris where he starts slipping in. Like this is my empire. Thrawn's like, yep, sure thing, buddy. Sure is. You can go over there. I actually <laughs> found him a little more compelling Yeah, in this book. Um, you know, he's, yeah, he's an insane Jedi, which is pretty cool. Um, the, the whole, not necessarily, he's not a Sith, but he's got this, um, but this whole like ruling the, the, he's got this little minor despot, thing going on where he's he's ruling over these people and that's not something although you know if you think about it in the expanded universe there used to be jedi chancellors right high chancellors right and so this is just and and and, you know he's got this very kind of fascist strongman point of view of that you know we're just superior you know and, and we should be deciding how these people's lives go because they're not capable of deciding it we are you know which is a very kind of right wing idea and kind of fits right in with with the sith mentality even though he's not a sith and people fall into line pretty quick like there's never any uprising against him they're just kind of like yep well that's what a jedi does yeah he's got his they set that up in the first book when luke interrupts that one he has to mediate that one argument Mm -hmm. right Uh, in at the like i think maybe i think that's in the first book yeah it's in the first one he has to mediate an argument and then one of the guys, and they're like, well, he's a Jedi. We have to abide by what he says, yeah. which is, again, not a vision of the Jedi that we've ever seen, that we've seen since. Yeah. And and I, I think you're setting that up so that now we see in this book, Saboeth, well, he's a Jedi, and so they trust his judgment. Mm-hmm. Which I think you know, goes back think. to, like, what I wish they have done. And, again, it seems like new canon is starting to go this way again. Is It's not that people forgot Jedi were around or anything. It's just illegal to talk about them. And that yeah. you, you just don't mention it. Like, I know who they are and they were there, but we don't say it because we'll get killed. And so, yeah, that kind of goes back to that as far as, yeah, all right, the Jedi are back. Like, that's what they're supposed to do. Just, just <laughs> resolve my problem with sheep or whatever it is. <laughs> it's definitely a different vision of, of the Jedi. It's a different vision of the Clone Wars um, that he has. I, it, it's interesting that, you know, he he's, He's trying. He's trying to keep the Clone Wars as vague as possible, mm-hmm. while still re- referring to it and kind of guessing at the timeline a little bit. I'm interested that that actually passed by Lucasfilm, but again, he didn't know what the hell he the Clone Wars were yet either. I don't think. Well, you got to think at this point, Lucasfilm. I don't think cares that much. 
Probably not. Yeah, at this point, Lucasfilm is probably figuring, eh, we'll throw these three books out there and, you know, it'll kind of be like Star Trek. They're all there, but it's not a huge deal and some fans read it, but it's not as... That's true. It was considered, at the time, it was just for nerds. Yeah. I mean, not that it still isn't. I mean, not, you know, there's not a lot of non-nerds listening to this right now, but... But it's not now where you have to, you know, read a book to know who certain characters are or anything like that no. or as important, I guess. And it's also not now where you have things like the Mandalorian and, and stuff like that, that are exceptionally popular, uh-huh. you know, that everybody is, is watching. This was a couple of licensed books, you know, for, from, a, from a, for a dead franchise. Right. And that's the big thing. It's a dead franchise at this point. It, it's still popular and still beloved. Yeah. But it did. But at the point, you know, the movies were still beloved. You could still catch them on TV all the time. People would say they love Star Wars all the time, but it was gone. It's like those Jaws books they came out with. Nobody cares about those. <laughs> I but think I read a few of those. <laughs> yeah. There's books about Jaws. <laughs> but- yeah. Like, it, 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 yeah, you're right. It was it was dead. And the this is obviously the Big Bang that, that started to bring it back. But, you know, I mean, they were hardbacks. They were New York Times bestsellers, though. Yeah. They did so well. They did, you know, they did make a crack. Although the Star Wars books usually do make a crack into the New York Times list. Yeah, that always throws me off. Is how many people actually you're like how many people are reading this? Like, it doesn't feel like as many people are reading it as they say. Mm-hmm. So, Chad, what are we going to be reading next time? Well, next time we're going to be revisiting Ryan's girlfriend. <laughs> And uh, we're going to be finishing out. Well, I don't know. I don't know if they've said whether it's a trilogy or not. They have, but. They have. Okay. It confirms it in the end of the book. Okay. So we're finishing out the Padme trilogy, I guess, um, with Queen's Hope by E.K. Johnson, the sequel to Queen's Shadow and Queen's Peril. It, I'm almost done with it. It's a pretty quick read. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of brisk read. Um, and um, and yeah, it's going to tell a story. It's a story of Padme and Anakin and their relationship during the Clone Wars or, the, or in, the, in the time right as the Clone Wars is breaking out. And hopefully maybe give us a little insight on what it's like to be married to a psychopath. <laughs> and Plukun is in this book. <laughs> and Plukun is in the book. So, you know, you, you know where Ryan stands now. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys. And thanks everyone for joining us. We will talk to you all soon. Roger, Roger. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh. Roger, roger.